QCO Quarantine Christian Outreach Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to QCO Podcast. This is episode 13. Extra lucky today. Yes. Today we've got a very interesting episode talking with a bunch of friends who come from different countries. Uh, One of the interesting things about UCO is that we have different chapters all over the world and we connect with a lot of different people in that way. And the whole uh, broader network that UCO is connected with, the Sword of the Spirit, is an international group with communities from all over the world. And so we get the interesting chance to get to live with and work with and serve with people from all over the world. So we thought it'd be interesting to just talk with a lot of them about what is their experience living in the United States. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, we're going to take a second here and go through some correspondence too. Yeah. Uh, I've got this email from John Hughes that I've been itching to read. Uh, <laughs> Lay it on us. Give us a good dramatic reading. Yeah. It, you know, when you open up your email inbox and you just see something with subject title zombies, you know, you're in for a treat. Excited. Yeah. Yep. Especially when it's from John. So John says, in light of the supposed impending zombie apocalypse, I wanted to add my lukewarm take about zombies. Namely, They're not that scary. Can anything really be a threat if I can elude them without even activating sport mode on my Crocs? (laughs) If you can escape an enemy by simply walking a little briskly, I don't think it justifies the hype they often get. That being said, I'll happily submit to your wisdom on this issue, John. P.S. I'm talking about the garden variety zombies, not the ones from World War Z. Those things be cray, as the kids say these days. <laughs> they are cray. They are cray. <laughs> I was thinking to myself, yeah, not all zombies are created equal. It's true. It really depends on what zombie apocalypse you're in, that how, how you're going to fare. Yeah. Yep. And some watching, uh, some time spent watching World War Z clips yep. immediately after receiving this email really did uh, solidify. Yeah. All place. I know is I'm definitely putting sport mode on my Crocs. Oh, for if, World War if Z? World War Z zombies are coming after me. Bro. <laughs> but the, the thing that I find, ter- I mean, even garden variety zombies, what makes them terrifying isn't that like they're slow, but like nothing will stop them. They'll just yeah. continue to come and like pursue you forever. Yeah. Yep. Like that's terrifying. That is. And the fact that you like, you have to sleep and they don't, yep. I think is, is you really problematic. You have to eat and they don't. Yeah, and like you have all these other limitations on you that zombies will just consistently, yeah, and constantly and you pursue need you. Shelter, and yeah. they don't. I, yeah, I so, mean, I'm, I'm really at a disadvantage. So, so John, this is our wisdom, bro. Fear the zombie. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. I, we don't have all the wisdom to be had on this. <laughs> That's true. We should try to find someone who's like a doomsday prepper to maybe bring on wow. the show at some point. That'd be a really fun podcast. Yeah, hear their thoughts on zombies. Yeah. Well, following up on our movie episode that we put out uh, this past week, we had one of our listeners call in and leave us some of her recommendations. So our friend Lisa is going to share some of her thoughts on what movies are good to be watching right now in quarantine. I wanted to pick stuff that was a little more obscure than the fantastic films everybody already loves, like Pirates of the Caribbean or Back to the Future or Star Wars. Hopefully some of these will be new for you all. I normally try to tailor my movie recommendations to whoever I'm speaking to, but that's not very possible for this. My first movie pick is not a surprise to hardly anybody who knows me, and it's Paddington 2. 
Apparently, one of the main takeaways from my Fan into Flame talk this year was that I love Paddington. So I'm here to further that well-founded belief by recommending the sequel here. While both Paddington movies are heartwarming and painstakingly crafted like the best of Pixar, Paddington 2 raises the moral and emotional stakes that Paddington faces, which ultimately makes it my favorite of the two. Paddington manages to find the good in all people and circumstances, and I think that's what we all need right now. I have used Paddington before as a therapy for crying friends. It works. My second movie is Ball of Fire. This is a sweet little film where a club dancer ends up hiding from a world of crime in a house full of professors working on finishing an encyclopedia. Every character is an expert in their respective field, whether it's the professors with their part of the encyclopedia or the dancer lady with her street smarts and slang, which is particularly fascinating to the English professor. All the professors are adorable. One is played by Clarence from It's a Wonderful Life, and it's fun to see them all fall in love with the dancer lady in their own ways and work together with their expertise to protect her from the trouble that's following her. The third movie I've picked is Rear Window. This is my favorite Hitchcock film, and it's a great one to watch now as the main character, played by James Stewart, is not able to leave his apartment having broken his leg. The camera actually never leaves the apartment either, but that's part of what makes it so engaging. All he spends his time doing is spy on his neighbors, which I don't recommend for this quarantine. And he starts to suspect one shifty neighbor for murdering their wife. The whole movie, you'll be going back and forth on if you actually think anything happened at all. And it's a perfect contained thriller that's just brilliantly done. I'll leave you all with my standard plea to watch the TV series Firefly. Nothing can ever beat those characters in dialogue for me. And if I didn't have a higher calling to spread the good news of the Lord, I think I'd have settled for furthering Paddington and Firefly. Thank goodness for God and his superior plans for our lives. God bless you all. Bye. Great thoughts from Lisa, as That's always. Right. I want to see some of these. And uh, we've got quite a bit of uh, interview to get through here with our friends from all around the world. So we're going to hop right. into it. Enjoy. Great to have you. So as a foreigner. <laughs> what are your kind doing in this part? As an alien. As an alien. <laughs> I am an alien. As a member of the alien race. <laughs> part of the alien band. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, we just love to hear some of your thoughts on living in America. I'm sure that you have a lot of thoughts. Do on you this. want like uh, spiritual thoughts or do you want uh, well, either? I guess basic, I don't know. What's like trivial thoughts? Maybe both. Give us a mix. Yeah, a mix. Yeah, 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 yeah. Concoction. I don't know if I have a lot of spiritual thoughts. Oh, <laughs> well, why did you? <laughs> very, why did you trivial. offer it then? Oh, man. <laughs> Now, for that those of you just now tuning into the podcast, Miguel I, uh, is the house leader for the house that Stephen and I are a part of, and you can hear more of his thoughts and uh, listening to episode four, where we talk about media. He's originally from Costa Rica, and he's a member of a religious brotherhood named the Servants of the Word. A number of years ago, he moved to Michigan in order to check out their life here, to get some formation and training here. He then moved back to Costa Rica for a number of years, but now he's back. And he is studying at Sacred Heart Seminary to get a Master's of Theology. And in the meantime, he has gotten a chance to live with us. Lucky him. He now is going to share some of his thoughts on what he finds interesting about living in Michigan in particular. Probably the most remarkable thing that you realize is how the seasons mark life here, like the pace mm. of life here in the U.S., at least in this part. I don't know if yes. it's the same in the southern part, but... Uh, it's definitely different, not uh, quite like Michigan, but... We don't, have, we don't have a lot of seasons in Costa Rica. We have the rainy season and, and, and the week without rain. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> uh, 
So this idea of like, okay, now it's fall and these are all the things that you do in the fall, you rake leaves and you watch uh, the end of baseball and you go to football football games. Yeah. uh, College starts in the fall and all these things. And then winter, you just get depressed by all the snow that is falling every day of the winter. (laughs) And... uh, uh, You know, and then you have to like do all the things with the snow, cleaning out the cars, and well, you get uh, to do all the things with the snow. You get to sled and throw snowballs right. at the people that you live with. Yeah, you ski. Go yeah, I've cruise. done all of those things. Definitely. Go hiking in the snow. <laughs> Make a snowman. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> do snow angels. Snow yeah. angels. Yeah. Which are kind of disappointing. Polar actually. plunges. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Polar plunge. They have not done a polar plunge. And I'm not interested. Well, you could do it today. Uh, it's snowing here. It's snowing, yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. It's almost. It's gonna be a white Christmas here. Today. <laughs> that's right. Uh, and then, so the, even the expectation—that's one of the funny things. Like the expectation of the seasons. Like people are always talking about them. Like, mm. oh, this is a different fall from last year. Like this time we. Yeah, uh, you compare and yes, contrast. Yes. And what I realize is that's what people say every year. So I haven't seen like the the <laughs> real year, like the typical. You year. don't know what the norm uh, normal is. It's yeah. I haven't found the normal uh, but uh, it's just very interesting spring I don't think I guess I don't know a lot about spring because we don't get a lot of that in Michigan yeah it's just kind of true oh come on the summer is, is really nice you really appreciate how you can go out and the leave. sun the sun stays up until the sun like stays 9 30 so 10 late. o'clock yeah, it's, it's, amazing. Amazing. Yep. it's amazing that you never see that it's like really the winter it's really like Maybe it's too extreme, but my experience is like this is could be just a different planet from where I grew up. Like it's just completely different reality, and I like that. It's very funny to see how people deal with it, and yeah. So that's the seasons, the weather. Yeah, that's an interesting one. What else? People only talk about weather, really. <laughs> people <laughs> love to talk about weather here. Yeah, it's yeah. True. there's not a lot of interest about soccer, which I oh miss. in in Michigan, mm-hmm. yeah. It's yeah. a big loss. People wouldn't couldn't care less about soccer here. It's true. Uh, people also couldn't care less about WhatsApp, which I think really interesting. <laughs> about uh, WhatsApp? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. WhatsApp and soccer are like the two things that the rest of the world are doing that Americans are not doing. That's interesting. And it's well, very interesting. I have a WhatsApp. Yeah, you do. Yeah, and you made me watch you soccer. You live with me, that's why. <laughs> no, I had WhatsApp before, before. I with you. <laughs> right. No, but it is true that, like, yeah, the United States hasn't caught on to these kind of third-party messaging apps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure quite quite why, but it seems like it's just a, a major thing that we, we don't really that's use. That's because we're different, and we're proud to be different. That's right. Same with, same with not mm-hmm. using the, the metric system. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even if it means using Oh, man, inferior. the metric system is like... Oh yeah, you have to go like quarter of a mile, and I'm like, "What is quarter of a mile? <laughs> How long is that? I don't know." <laughs> That's fair. It's true. It's a very confusing system, but try. God bless America. That's right. What about like like more culturally, or like in regards to people? Oh, yeah, 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 maybe it's a thing of our of our inner you know circle like of community that people have like like we had this book book club, and I've never been in a book club outside of the United States. Wow. Uh, interesting. But I find it really interesting and I really liked it. Yeah. Uh, one thing that is cultural that I find very interesting is uh, the relationship with your college and how like people go to college and live there, which is, at least in Costa Rica, you don't do that. You're never that far away from home that you should actually move. Some people do it, but uh, they probably go back home yeah. in the weekends or yeah, something yeah. like that. Uh, 
but uh, living there in, in college and living in the dorms, I feel it gives you a stronger identity with the place where you study. And, uh, you know, you see it, of course, in the support of sports and that kind of thing, but even like in the way people like seem to long for their, for their years in college and then long for their time in UCO mm. in a different way, which mm -hmm. I, it's very, I find really interesting. Uh, and it also just gets you out of home, which I find super helpful actually mm. in a way to get out of home and be able to, you know, grow up in a different way. Uh, yeah, we, kind of forces... like, I didn't leave home until I, I was out of the country for, for to live with the brothers. Oh, I see. And, uh, so I had not lived on my own. Um, <clears throat> I guess I had lived in men's households, but still that, like I had my parents very close. Okay. So there's a bunch of things there that I think people here learn to do. Even, even with these things of the chores that you do for the, for the seasons, people here learn to do things that I find very helpful. I would have appreciated to know before I was 24 or 25 years old. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and that gives them definitely a sense of, of independence, independence. Or identity. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, like I'm able to do things on my own. I can handle, you know, and that, that, that's a good thing. I think in general, it, it can lead to some problems when you like have all these, you know, 20 year olds living on their own without any supervision. Sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. But I think it, it mainly has positive results in how people become more autonomous with their own lives. Yeah. And then you have the other down, the downside of it where then people become overly individualistic and they actually start pushing away from their families or something like right. that. Right. And, and the relationship with the family is also very interesting yeah. because it's like you don't, you don't live with your parents and sometimes the country is so big here that more, most people don't even live in the know, same state, in the same sometimes, state. Yeah. And That's most true. states are bigger than my country. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, So that the distance that you have with your family is really interesting, which leads yeah. you to interact more with your neighbors, with your classmates, and in in for at least in Costa Rica, the experience is you just stay closer to your family all the time. And hmm. I guess most people do have you know very good relations with with students, with their classmates, and whatnot. But they they develop a less. I I, I feel like they are closer to their families in a way which if, which sometimes is not that helpful either. Yeah, it can almost like put you too too much focus on just your nuclear family or right. just on your own experience yeah. rather mm -hmm. than looking more broadly and defining the community as yeah, yeah. the neighborhood you live in rather than yeah. just the your family that you you know or that you're close by. Yeah. So that's, you know, some of the stuff cultural stuff I don't know. I uh I have liked living here. I think mm. people are very um hospitable people really are interested part of this of this of not you know being more open to relating to other people that are not your family i find people are very ready to spend good time with you i guess you know that might sound strange to some people from from michigan <laughs> to say that uh, but i actually find that you know when you go to people's families and homes they have like they're very friendly very Hospitable, interested in, yeah. in, right, in knowing about your life mm. yeah. and, uh, you know, wanting to talk about, you know, wanting to hear about your testimony, about what the Lord has done in your life. And I find that really, really interesting and really good, uh, really helpful. Mm. Um, so I find myself relatively at home here. Uh, if it wasn't for the snow, I would right. probably stay longer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. That makes sense. I I was wondering if you 
wanted to talk at all about we were watching this uh stand-up routine the other night and mm. he was joking about like people who just build like a deck in their backyard like over oh, the yeah. weekend and yeah. you made some kind of comment about americans really? i really want to hear this well because on. because in like people here you know they build their own decks and whatever like like if you want if you have something that you want to do you just do it in the way i grew up I was like you would get someone like some contractor to do it for you uh either mm. because you have no knowledge of how to do it or like it's not like most families i don't think have like this idea of oh yeah i'm gonna just you know build a deck here or, uh, <laughs> maybe the deck is an exaggerated uh but like I mean, make some, my dad my dad built, built a deck make yeah. some Your works mom has too right yeah. <laughs> see that's the thing like Like if you're gonna fix something here, you do it your own, yourself. Uh, even mm. mowing the grass and that kind of thing are not yeah. things that we do. Some some families, of course, do it, but uh, there's also a lot of people who just hire someone else to yeah. do it. Really? And uh, so you don't grow up like being like this guy who can go to Home Depot and uh, or what's the other uh, Lowe's Lowe's oh, right yeah. and like buy everything you know and uh -huh. know like what you need, the material yeah. you need, and the tools you need. Like okay, I don't. I, I have no uh, idea of how to do this. That's funny. I built a pool deck with my dad when I was like 12. <laughs> I had no idea what was going on. Right. You, yeah. yeah. But you're, you're recognizing that there's something kind of uniquely American or like a certain subsect of Americans that yeah. kind of like have this like can-do attitude. They'll like mm -hmm. handle it on their own. They'll learn mm -hmm. the skills mm -hmm. to then do something like build a deck or mow their grass or you know, right. work, on, work on their that. cars or something yes, like that. Yes. That's huh. that's officially American. We're going to claim that. <laughs> We're proud of that. The, Back off anyone else. Yeah. The garage full of tools is, is completely American. Oh, really? Oh. I think it is. I would be, yeah. What about Germans? I feel like Germans have they might. I mean, tools. Uh, maybe I'm just throwing out, out all these, you know, blanket statements that yeah. Yeah. other people in other countries are going to yeah, be. Yeah. We'll be glad to accept the ones that we think reflect us well, and then reject all the other ones. That, yeah, make us look bad. That no. make us look bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, and if we have listeners from other places that are hearing this and say, "No, this actually describes my culture," I'd we'd love to actually hear. I would love know? to learn about yeah. that as well. So yeah. let us know. Mm -hmm. QCO podcast. At gmail.com. Let us know. <laughs> nice. Miguel, thanks for nice, Miguel. your thoughts. You're welcome. What do you miss about not being in Costa Rica? About not being in Costa Rica? Yeah. Oh, man, a lot of things. Besides people. Don't uh, give me that answer. Yeah, yeah that's People, crap. of course. <laughs> uh, I miss how close the beach is in Costa Rica. Okay, that makes sense. It's, an, it's an hour and a half drive and you're there. Uh I mean, then you have to drive back and it's there's a lot of traffic, which I don't miss. But uh, how close things are like to go on, you know, days like that. Yeah, I really like the weather in Costa Rica. It's, it rains a lot, but I but I like, mm. you know, how steady is the temperature through the year and you can walk outside and <laughs> it's fine. You're not dying. Uh, and uh, what else do I miss? I miss soccer and going to games. Yeah, yeah. It's not it's not expensive if you can go to games. Don't ask me how much it is because I never know those things, but mm -hmm. uh I just know it's cheaper than going to sports here. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Thanks. Okay, it's gonna work this time. Hello, I can hear you now. Yes. We're talking with my good friend Hi, Elizabeth Potter. Uh she good. was here a few years ago in the US in well, Lansing for a gap nice. year. 
she's you, back home in the UK now home? and she's attending I school in Glasgow, yes, but Glasgow. we called her up to hear about her experience <laughs> while good. she was here. Yeah. Like what, maybe what was one of your first experiences when you moved here? What was the first thing that kind of struck you about living in the United States? Oh yeah. I want to hear this. I thought everyone was really friendly. I come from London where everyone's very, everyone's very, um, I don't know, separated. And it's kind of like a cold, big metropolitan city sometimes. Huh. So I thought, I guess also because I was living in a part of America, which is, it wasn't like a huge metropolitan area. It wasn't like I was living in the coast. I was living kind of like in the central bit. So I guess people are more, I don't know, more real perhaps. Maybe that's not the best word. Huh, um, nice. But yeah, I thought everyone was so friendly and um, there was so much space. I had never been in a place with so much space, which is kind of crazy. This was in Lansing, <laughs> yeah. I thought it was really funny in America that everyone, maybe this is like really random, but everyone loved wearing those shoes, those um, charcos. Oh, yeah. Um, and everyone would wear like socks and sandals. And <laughs> is that still a thing? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Steven's got them on right now. Oh, really? I thought they were, I, I, again, I come from a big city. People don't really spend time outside and everyone would go everywhere in these shoes and then wear like socks with their sandals. And I thought it was just like, Everyone would make fun of you in London if you did that. <laughs> but everyone was just like living their best life, wearing these clothes. I don't know. I thought that was so funny. Um, and I used to always make fun of people for wearing them. And then I tried them on one day. I tried on my friend's chacos. Yeah, and I was like, you oh, think? these are crazy comfortable. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I take Come back on. everything I've said. America, very um, functional. <laughs> very functional. <laughs> it's kind of true. I mean, I, th we, I think our culture does kind of have a kind of ca casualness to it that I think a lot of other nations don't. I mean, I know that some friends that moved to the Philippines were shocked when they realized they had to wear pants everywhere, that nobody wore shorts. Oh, what? That yeah. would really mess with oh, me. Oh, really? Yeah. So, I mean, I think, I think what you experience is, is fairly common where there's certain kind of fashion things or cultural things around clothing that is very different. Hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> Um, and I guess maybe in London, there's also like a self-consciousness about like, I don't know, yeah, your image or dress something. and things like that. And yeah. maybe there's like a, I don't know, like a, I don't know, a greater freedom in, I don't know, being more relaxed, at least in Michigan where I was maybe. Yeah. Nice. I also am just interested in really like, I don't know what you find funny or. I was trying to like think about it, like what's super different. I think sense of humor is very different between like. I guess between the, it's like a British versus American thing. Like I, I found the sense of humor, like I had to sort of like go into a different sort of like mode in my brain. Like, Oh, this is what people find funny. Okay. Like well, that's, that's something that I had to like figure out, I suppose. Yeah. Like, and what, what categorized that, that distinction? Like what, what, what were you, um, what were you noticing that was different? I think I would just make certain jokes and people would just be like, Whoa, that like, it just like wouldn't, people wouldn't get it or like <laughs> something like that. Um, it was a very like, I don't know, referency culture, like, oh, let's reference this movie, this thing. And then when I moved back to the UK, I was then in like my American humor setting. I was like, oh, people don't find these things funny. Wow, oh, this is like yeah. actually quite a different thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, what, so, do, yeah. what do people find funny in the UK that they don't find funny here? I think it's not like perhaps what they find funny but it's like the delivery if that makes Ooh, any sense yes. okay like yeah. perhaps maybe like i don't want to use a word like witty because that's so like snobby but i think perhaps <laughs> like a different style of wit i don't know yeah that makes sense i mean when i watch like 
British films, it's like usually very dry and sarcastic. Mm-hmm. Whereas like I find yeah. American humor to be like a lot more dramatic. Hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair I think that's a fair statement. What was something that you found like comforting when you were here that like you felt like it was easy for you to connect with and like kinda helped you feel like rooted? Oh, that's a hard question. Um Wow. Top tier question. I, <laughs> I think people are just very open. I yeah. think they're quite open to again, this is probably just like me coming from a city thing. Like I think people were just quite open to meeting other people and there was like a friendliness. Yeah. I think that was comforting and that kind of like made that was nice. I'm trying to think. Yeah. Like you um, would kind of categorize it as a certain kind of genuineness or you were like you felt like you were able to like connect with people at least, even if they were different than you, at least they were being genuine and you could like you could feel like you were you had a real relationship. Yeah, I think yeah, I'd say I think that's a th- I think that's a fair statement. I think something that I've heard from um North Americans who've spent time in the UK is that like British people are quite like we say one thing but we mean another, whereas Americans will say one thing and that's what they mm. mean. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that was like really, really refreshing when I was in America. Huh. Um I think people are just more direct, which is not a European thing. I think that's like an exclusively British thing. Um but that's really nice, actually. That was comforting. Yeah. Wow. That's a great, that's a great insight. Man, that's funny because I really love being direct and I really can't stand it when people are yeah. not direct with me. Yeah, I can't stand when people aren't direct with me either, yeah. but I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and I've, I've lived with a number of people from very different cultures and, and countries that they have a very hard time with how direct people are, actually. And like, mm. and like it's very challenging. It's, it, it, I think it, if it's done genuinely, it's very helpful, but it can also be kind of like shocking for people that aren't used to it. Uh, yeah, no, I think I think people in the UK see it as rude if you're direct to people. Yeah, it's yeah. like yeah. you have to like out of respect, like skirt around the subject sometimes, mm-hmm. which actually wastes more time. But I think it, it comes from a place of wanting to be polite usually. Interesting. Yeah. Because I find it very rude to skirt <laughs> around a subject that needs to be talked about. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I would agree with you on that one. <laughs> yeah. So I'm more American than I thought I was at the beginning of this conversation. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> and maybe like, um, what, what did you find more like personally challenging then? Like if that was like a, a help in moving here and experiencing life here, what, what was some like a barrier or something that you felt like was very hard for you to relate to people or to experience kind of being here as, as home? Like, ooh, I've got to think about that. Um, maybe the directness again as well. Huh. Like, again, because I wasn't used to people being direct and um, saying what they mean. I was like, oh, I, it's, again, I think that was probably, like, a little abrupt at first. Um, and I think also, like, perhaps in the way people give maybe, like, Christian teaching as well, it's more direct as well again. Hmm. Um, I noticed that, like, in, in various Christian settings that I was in, like people are just a little bit more, they, yeah, they, they get to the point more, more kind of quickly perhaps. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that I'm not sure. Yeah. I I'm interested. Um, do you think that there were like things that you, uh, uh maybe some of this is just part of like moving to a different place in general, but yeah. uh, you know, were there things that you were able to pick up, or learn or like grow in like in America that 
would have been like more difficult for you to have experienced like back home? I think I just saw a willingness. This is more maybe maybe I don't know if this is a cultural thing or just like a Christian cultural thing of um there was just like a willingness to um an openness in like evangelistic senses which I hadn't seen in Europe. Hmm. Perhaps again, that's more of like a Christian cultural thing, but that's something that I saw and that's something that like challenged me and something that I wanted to yeah, bring back with me. Yeah. Um I think Perhaps I, I saw in Europe beforehand there was this kind of like a divide in lots of people's lives between these are my friends from this place and that place and they don't mix and therefore my God bits of my life don't mix with those bits. Um, but I think I saw a culture in America of a kind of an openness between lots of those things, which I hadn't seen before. And again, that might have just been the settings that I was being sure, exposed to. Sure. Um, but that's something that I felt like I still do feel very inspired by when I think back to it. Um. So yeah, probably that. That's great. Sweet. That's a really good good thing to consider. Yeah, learning to integrate your life and the, your relationships in your life is hard. I think everywhere. Yeah. But actually, building that into a culture where you, it's like a, it's accepted and it's valued to actually have a have relationships that all know each other, even if they don't all agree on the same thing or if they don't all share yeah. a, the same belief system or background. I think that's that's a hard thing to maintain, but it can really help just a life that so you don't feel fragmented. Mm, yeah, man, that's like one of the things that you know when you see that in a guy's life, like when you know working on UCO staff. If I see that in a guy's life, that's like one of the first things that I say. Okay, actually, like I need to you know just be a brother to this guy and and actually allow him to you know open his life up more and like tear down some of these barriers between things because it can really like be a make or break point for, you know, a young Christian is like whether or not you're actually gonna like allow your whole life to sort of, you know, go under the waters of baptism almost, you know. What's like a particular English dish that you really missed when you were here? Oh, whoa. Nice. Oh man. Um, there's this dish called maybe they have it in America, but I don't think they do. It's called Toad in the Hole, and it's basically like pancake batter, um, but you put like sausages in it. Um, wow! What? And then you can have like a variety of sauces on it. We, I think, this is not a normal thing. This is maybe like just my family thing, but we have <laughs> this thing. We put like golden syrup on it, like a maple syrup, on. The toad in the hole, and it's so good. It's obviously not very healthy, but it's okay. it's great. And yeah. I think I tried to explain it to people, and they didn't really get it. But well, once you I start talking about toads, I think people will probably get defensive when it comes to their food. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know why it's called that. It's very off-putting. <laughs> <laughs> There's a number of dishes, like from I don't know, just other countries that have names that I think Americans are immediately like. What? No. Yeah. Like blood yeah. pudding and Oh yeah. Yeah. Haggis. Yeah. <laughs> you someone explains to you what a haggis is. Well, you just hear the word and you're like, do not put that in my body. <laughs> I don't care what it consists of. Get it away from me. Yeah. Toad in the hole might unfortunately fall into that category. But it sounds delicious. I think so. It it is delicious. Yeah. Nice.
Can you hear me? How is life in France? This is my good friend, Augustin Mott. I think I pronounced that right. He's been teaching me how to pronounce that for like six months. And uh, he was here this last year at the University of Michigan studying uh, abroad from his university in France. He's back home now, uh, but we got him on the line to talk about his experience while he's here. The very, the very good experience that I had is that people are really welcoming there. Wow. So it was my first time abroad. And uh, as you can hear, uh, my mastering of the language is not perfect. Uh, so I was, kind of, I was kind of afraid of the, the way I would be received. And actually, uh, in the very first days I was there, uh, I found a lot of helpful hands that were ready to, to do a lot for me. So this was uh, maybe the, the best part for me. Uh, then maybe it was uh, the the things that I found difficult were coming for, from Europe, where um, I would say the the difference in the in the level of uh, public service you could you could find in in Europe and in the U S. Mm-hmm. So especially two things: uh, the fact that uh, we do have uh, in European countries uh, a social security uh, makes it very uh, very stressful when you live to the U S. It's true. Uh, but I would say it's not that bad. Uh, I know that every European is very afraid about that, and they should they, sh- they should definitely think about it before before they leave. But, but actually, you just have to pay uh, 150 bucks a, a month to 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 be to be all set, and that's that's okay. Uh, the second thing, uh, which is way more disturbing for me, is uh, <laughs> the public transport. Yeah. Uh, that were. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to offend you guys, but <laughs> no, no, please offend us. Uh, so in Ann Arbor, in Ann Arbor, where I was, uh, we had only buses, uh, and the thing was that. Uh, the buses uh, were very seldom and I would say very inefficient because they would stop like everywhere, every, every two meters, <laughs> they would stop. So it was not, uh, it was not great. Uh, actually the most efficient way to travel if you don't have a car is definitely by feet. Well, let me defend it real quick. Wow. Uh, it might be abysmal quote unquote, but I think it's just an opportunity for adventure. Every time you board a Greyhound bus, like for more than three or four hours, you don't you know have what's gonna happen. no idea what's going to happen to you. <laughs> and, you know, if you're in a yeah. position in your life where you are able to risk bodily harm, you know, a Greyhound bus is a great way to do it. That's just my thing. Yeah, I've taken, I, I've taken the bus from New York to Detroit once. Uh, so it was 15 hours oh, and yes. I had... So unfortunately, Augustine's connection started breaking up when he was setting up the story, but he's explaining a Greyhound ride that he had all the way to New York from Michigan, where he had this tyrannical passenger that effectively set himself up, as Augustine says, as a dictator of the so whole bus. tell us what happened. Can you tell us the story of this 15-hour bus ride? I'm very, well, I'm very interested to hear it. So the guy started the trip uh, by literally shouting at us, like, I personally cleaned the bathroom, and if the bathroom is not clean, I will literally shut it down, and none of you guys can use it. So he said that to us, and then he said, every time someone is using the bathroom, I will personally check if it is still clean afterwards. Wow. Whoa. So in the whole trip, <laughs> in the whole trip, literally nobody used it. Uh, this was because, because I mean, he meant what he said. 
Yeah. And he was really frightening. <laughs> 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 this psycho. Yeah. <laughs> Augustan, what's what's something that you took with you after you're living here for the semester that you did? Uh, okay, uh, I'm a political science major, and uh, there is there is one thing in my political conception that changed a lot while I was in America, is that now um, I, I pay uh, way more respect to, to business owners. Uh, so uh, when I arrived, it's true that coming from France, uh, the difference with America about economic uh, economic issues was uh, radically different with most of Americans. Uh, because we used to have a very, uh, a way more important intervention of the state in the economy, and yeah. we don't choose to to like businessmen a lot. But it's true that uh, being in Michigan, in the state of uh, of General Motors and Ford, uh, I, I really saw how how those companies could actually matter a lot in the in the identity of people who would work there, uh, or mm. even who would just live in the state and be very proud of those companies. Uh, so, so I would say that, uh, I, I am still, uh, I, I would still be a leftist for uh, 90% of Americans probably. Sorry, but you feel like you kind of gained a respect for, uh, business owners and like businesses yeah. and the role that that plays in society. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, definitely. So I would say that, uh, especially the fact that, um, those big car companies are actually building something, you know? Yeah. Like they're, they're contributing something to the, to the society. Mm. And especially when I visited Detroit, uh, there is this big, um, this big um, Rensen, I believe, the Renaissance Center, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. Oh, uh, yeah. That has been built for for General Motors, I believe, and and you can you can say because because they are the most uh, important towers in the city. Uh, skyscrapers, I mean, yeah. and and you can definitely say that they are contributing in a decisive way to the identity of Detroit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and you would not have that in 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 Europe. So this was definitely um, mind mind blowing for me. Wow. That's very interesting. Yeah. I would not have thought to like ask about that. Great, hey, man. Well, thanks for thanks for your thoughts, bro. It's great. Great to hear. I really appreciated this. Thank you very much for asking me. It was a pleasure. Yeah. Oh, bro. Anytime, man. All right. We're, uh, <laughs> we're going to let you get back to prepping for your oral exam. <laughs> Thank you very much. I appreciate it. <laughs> You're going to kill it. Yep. <laughs> Hi, Will. Hey, Irene. So on the line, we've got Irene Campos. She's a friend of Miguel's How who's studying right now in Purdue. Well, and she's living uh, in Ann Arbor because of the quarantine. Snowed, so and we got to meet meet her nice. and she was very interested in coming on the podcast uh, right now. Well, something that I'm still not used to yeah. is people not eating lunch. Whoa. That's just weird. Okay, most people will eat like an apple or a, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. That's not lunch. <laughs> Or celery, celery with peanut butter, or or crackers, cheese and crackers for lunch. What is that? <laughs> That's a good. I mean, it's. I've always thought it's kind of strange that we eat our biggest meal is typically dinner at the end of the day. Uh huh. Correct. That, correct. That doesn't really seem to make sense. It's like you've you've spent most of your day doing something and being active. You've been hungry the whole time, and you've been kind of hungry, and then you eat a bunch of food right before going to correct. bed. Correct. 
I'm, I'm still, it's, it amazes me. I'm, the thing is, but you also have dinner, well, I, I've seen pretty early. It's yes. not like you have dinner at 9 p.m. So that'll give you some time to, you know, for your digestive systems to digest <laughs> before yeah. you go to bed. <laughs> but uh, I still find that so weird. And I would, I would try to make myself some proper lunch if I can. What does a real lunch look like? I'm just, I'm curious. Some meat. One, you know, carbs like rice or pasta or something, and then salad or veggies, like what you would eat for dinner. But I would have it for lunch typically. Oh, okay, yeah, I see. All and right. then, and then a short, a, a smaller version of that, I would have it for dinner. In Costa Rica, do people take siestas then after lunch, after a bigger lunch? Not anymore, but it used to be a thing. Um, but it's not a custom anymore, you know. Dang. We're also moving towards a, f- a fast-paced life. So that's right. Those, oh. those dang Westerners, no, taking away siestas. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know, but siestas are great ideas. I'm for siestas, a hundred percent. Another thing that was a a cultural shock was that it would happen o- often to me with different groups of people that I, I would be at a meeting or something. There were, would be several people in a room, and then. The meeting's over or whatever we're having is over and people just leave. They say a generic bye sometimes and they would just leave the room without saying like a proper goodbye. Yeah. Like with actually like talking to like to people, they just kind of say goodbye to the room. Yeah. And I was just, I kept, they left me hanging. Like what? <laughs> wow. <laughs> which, which brings, which brings me back to another cultural shock, which I also expected, but it's still living. It is funny was when I came here, I, I knew that, you know, people don't say hello and they kiss on the cheek. On the cheek, it's yeah. not something that people do here, unless you're very well acquainted. And so, and even even then, sometimes it doesn't happen. So, I would usually go in for a hug or a kiss when I would say hello to someone, and the person would freak out, <laughs> and then they would extend their hand. So I was left hanging with like a half a hug. <laughs> And a handshake. <laughs> and it was weird. Super weird. And the worst part was that I knew this. Like I knew I didn't I, I knew I, I had to stop doing that. Uh-huh. And I would always forget at the right at the moment. And it was like the first month it happened to me every single day. It was crazy. Oh, oh no. <laughs> there's there's nothing stranger than like trying to hug somebody, but then they go in for a handshake while you're hugging them. And so oh. they can't really hug you back and like their hand is stuck between you and them. <laughs> it's it's awful <laughs> and and to, to make it even worse like in in a catholic mass there's a, mo- a point where you have to say peace to the people who that's right yeah. are next to you and that was the worst because i would go through that humiliation in mass you know like oh, a hand or a hug or a kiss or what and, and if it's flu season it's nothing <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah yeah <laughs> but i think well, if, if we're getting like a little bit more serious, I think in general, my perception is that one of the greatest things of American culture is also one of the reasons why you're having the problems that you're having now. And it is that so much emphasis is put on the individual and on the bright side, the individual can... Um, work hard, be resilient and, um, move forward, you know, in life. Um, Mm. and, and so, so many good things can happen from, from fostering the individual to be himself, to be independent, to be, to, 
to not uh, think about anything but, um, you know, whatever goals you have and whatever plans you have and make them happen. And that looks, and that is one of the reasons why I think um, this country is the richest country in the world, right? Um, and one of, and arguably one of the most developed. Um, it's because Americans are hardworking, resilient, and driven as individuals. And if a lot of individuals do that, then the nation progresses, right? But on the other side, it's like, and I've seen it with this whole pandemic thing, yeah. um, how, how much this is, if, how much this is about me, 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 and my, my freedoms and my liberties and my plans and my little business and my thing, and not so much about the collective, the collective and the, the whole. Yeah. Um, Interesting. Yeah, Miguel, we were talking to Miguel earlier and he was saying that one of the, the the very strong differences that he recognized was that a lot of students move and live at their colleges on their own, uh, for, mm-hmm. forcing them to kind of gain a kind of independence uh, apart from their families that then allows them to more, more strongly identify with like the broader community of like their neighborhood or their city Whereas in Costa Rica and other other countries, they more strongly identify as a family. And I think what you I, I really appreciate what you're saying is that there's both a strength to that, where the individual is has a kind of resilience and a kind of drive, while at the same time then there's a weakness to not desiring the collective good and like identifying strongly with other people and that being a part of their identity that stands with them because there are other people with them in their lives rather than just them on their own. Correct. Correct. Irene, maybe just to close, like what's like something you, you'd want to take with you from your experience uh, that you've had while living here the last few months, like something that you've learned or something that you want to like incorporate into your life, moving back to Costa Rica. Okay. Good question. I, I love the States and I love coming here. Uh, whenever I come, I have a, a great time. So like, I'm looking forward for the next time, whenever nice. that, ha- whenever <laughs> that is. But I would say that I would often hear when Americans talk about this being a land of opportunity. And I didn't understand that, or I thought it was cliche, a cliche. Yeah, yeah, or, yeah. And, and, and I think there's room for our argument there, you know, opportunity for who or whatever. And I'm not going to get very uh, polemic about it, but <laughs> I do believe that this is, I do believe to the core of my being that this is a land of opportunity. And with that, I've discovered to be, and I understand is that if you have, if you have an idea or you have a dream and, and you verbalize it, you know, and you say, well, this is what I have. And then you're the group of people that are close to you challenge that idea and say, well, look at this angle or look at this other angle. And the idea is actually keeps evolving and growing and it's good then this is a place where ideas can transform from being a potential to actuality. Um, because, because I believe that here people want to hear ideas, people want to be creative, huh. people want to, we're uh, not as afraid to make mistakes and, and believe in making things happen if they're good ideas and if they're valuable and they'll give you the resources for that. They'll, uh, 
they'll help you to think about it in different ways and they and they will tell you no right away but they will tell you okay how can we make this happen how can we work towards this well this is not such a good idea why don't you do this differently mm-hmm. and i think um that is what i take away from this from from this country i do think that that is what people mean and what's truly the sense of being a land of opportunity yeah well that's a really thoughtful answer to a statement that oftentimes gets brushed off as yeah. as a cliche you know or laughed off in different conversations that's that's actually really really thoughtful thank you okay thank you guys and i've, I've been following the podcast and nice. I, i'm sure you guys are having so much fun doing this right oh yeah everybody is a boy he's a good boy there's something there's, there's something, something really there. strong <laughs> Hello, hello. Hello. This is our friend Tony Sarkis. He's been living here for this year in the Formation House uh, in Ann Arbor with the Servants of the Word. So he's just been here for this year, and he's a Lebanese guy with a lot of thoughts who lived for a little while in Northern Ireland. And so he's got a kind of interesting perspective, having come from both of those places, which are both pretty different than living here. Oh, Will Cannon. <laughs> oh, also, I, I remember one of my earliest uh, impressions was getting ice cream from Washington Dairy. And I was like, wow, for $3, you get this huge thing. That's true. I'm still, I'm, I've been living here for almost over 10 years, and I'm still amazed at how much ice cream yeah. you get at Washington <laughs> Dairy. Great. Yeah. Yeah. I ordered like a child size, and it was still ridiculous. <laughs> Children should not be eating this. Yeah. <laughs> Some serious ethical issues. Yeah. We should do an expose episode on Washington Dairy. Yeah. Wow. So everything was just bigger when you got here from what you yeah. experienced in Lebanon. But then you also spent some time in the UK. Yeah. What What were some of the things that you like experienced there that you maybe expected coming here that you didn't find? I saw the sun here a lot more. In the UK, I remember I landed in the summer of 2016 and there was no sun man it was clouds and clouds and clouds so that was something that like oh yeah that's true i forgot that it's sunny in august um that's one thing people here smile a lot more Hmm. so that was that was uh for me i almost also i kind of associated any foreigner any english speaker with you know they're not gonna be smiling at me um whereas people in america are are very nice or at least pretend to be nice yeah nice anything that happens one interesting thing i i see is how much people are oriented towards success you know i always joke that uh every american you meet thinks they're gonna be the next president (laughs) Uh, but i mean obviously yeah, I, I'm not sure if you, if you get what I mean, but there's this kind of you, you really. There's kind of an op- optimism. Is that what you're, you're, you're maybe trying to say? Like, there's a kind of optimism, and I think I think there is something about putting your identity in how much you do, how much you achieve, how much you, um, yeah, how much you do. Yeah. Like I do this and I do that and I do this and um. Uh, your identity comes from from there, really. Whereas, for example, in 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 my country, which is more of a tribal culture, your identity comes from who you are and who are, who you are connected to. Yeah, who are you? Who is your family? Who, you who are your friends? Yeah, like you you meet someone at a party and you ask them about themselves and they start telling you about their job. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and also people, you know, I'm a photographer and or I'm a cook or I'm this or I'm that. Um, it's 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 interesting to hear people talk about themselves like that because in my mind, you know, I'm a photographer mean, means, you know, I've studied all these years and that's what I do with my life. Whereas you come across people who just label themselves by different things they do and this is who they who they are this is what defines them and hmm. you know there's something like like that there that i can't i can't really express well but you feel it you see it yeah the, tony there's something of a theme that we've been like kind of uncovering in a lot of these conversations where people are recognizing that there's a kind of individuality uh and individualism in the united states it seems like that people pick up on where they identify less with their family or less with like the people that they're around, but more with certain passions or things that they, they love or that they, they desire. Uh, Would you say that that's like an accurate summary of what you're trying to say? I would say that's part of it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I would say that's part of it, which I think, is not, I I don't think it's a bad thing necessarily. Yeah. 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 Uh, I think, in fact, I think I'm impressed and how people go after things and they get better at things. And uh, there is space for me individually to grow and in, in certain talents I have, maybe. I think uh, I see it in, in some people where it, it really becomes where they get their identity from. And um, like, this is who I am. Mm-hmm. And I think this is just not true and, and yeah. unhelpful. So I'm I'm actually pretty interested in hearing what was a preconception of Americans that you had when you were either in Lebanon or when you were in Belfast living with Kevin that that you had like what did you think to expect when, you know when you came to America and you know we're living here I definitely expected that people are just fun they do fun things nice which is extra fun that's great <laughs> and it, and it's actually true people are fun I mean Stephen really? Meyer is so much fun yeah wow. Thanks, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also expected that um, there's a lot of freedom and, you know, you can just do whatever and say whatever. And I think this is kind of true. Yeah, I think, huh. you know, you can read <laughs> whatever and say whatever. And, um, you know, if I decide, I mean, I think a lot of cultures are becoming like that even more traditional ones like Lebanon, you know, I choose what I am. And, you know, I, if I feel like I'm 40, I'm just going to go by it. You know, I'm, I, I feel like I'm 40 years old, even though I'm 20. So, uh, sorry, this is off topic now. Um, what did I want to say? Uh, I expected, I expected freedom. Hmm. Feel free to cut that part when you do that. Yeah, I can I'll uh, edit things. Don't worry. <laughs> oh, we feel very uh, free to cut. <laughs> So yeah, freedom, opportunities. I think um, I think Americans are really blessed by a lot of opportunities, and you can see it in people starting their own businesses and people mm-hmm. getting uh, education uh, maybe more easily than in other places. Um, there's a lot of space for creativity. For I mean, there's a lot of physical space actually. Also, yeah. Um, it's really a land of opportunities. I think that's a, it's a big blessing in America. 
What's something that you want to hold on to about your kind of Lebanese identity and experience growing up in Lebanon that you think would enrich our lives here in the United States? A value. I would hold on to a value that I think is in me by virtue of growing up in Lebanon and the society and the culture I was in and maybe my family too, which is sacrifice. I think in more traditional cultures and in, in, in a, at least how I grew up, sacrifice for others, sacrificing um, your comfort, your, your preferences, your life, your time for others is seen as a, as a value, is seen as a, as a high, noble thing. I don't know how to put it in words, but mm. I've seen it in my mom, I've seen it in my dad. And, and in a country like Lebanon, where there's a lot of, of insecurity, the you know political instability and, and difficulties, you're forced to sacrifice in a certain way. And as a Christian in the Middle East, you're also forced to sacrifice many things. Yeah. Um, but sacrifice produces a lot of, of, of good and a lot of... Uh, the Lord sees our sacrifices and, and rewards us in a certain way. But I think here... Maybe the virtue of, of sacrificing for the greater good, for maybe the, the good of the group or the good of others or or great, the greater good in my own life, yeah. Um, yeah. I think is, is something maybe that could be learned here. No, you know, I yeah. mean, I've been living here for a very short while yeah, of course. time and I don't really know <laughs> what <laughs> other people are sacrificing. It's not yeah. like I know that. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Looking from the outside, I think that's one thing I would hold on to. Yeah, that's, that's cool. good. I, I think the way I've seen it is, you know, people who grow up with that in their family, it's it's just night and day yep. versus, you know, people trying to learn that later down the road. I remember, you know, when I like first started learning to try to <laughs> sacrifice things for people, I had a hard time shaking the old mold of, trying to do this for myself so it was like i want to be the best you know sacrificer almost <laughs> at first and then i had to learn oh man that's terrible yeah, this is like, not about sucks. you <laughs> and it kind of makes it a lot harder yeah and then then you can start to learn i think a lot of americans go through that yeah all right hopefully they, they do yeah and they yeah. learn to get over themselves and learn to learn to stop making just like their philanthropy really just about themselves, but actually about the other and the good of the other, willing the good of the other, you know. I also think it's, it has to do with suffering, learning how to suffer well and how yeah. to embrace suffering. Because, I mean, sacrifice is a form of suffering in a certain way. Yes. Um, yeah. And again, growing up in a place like Lebanon, whether you, you like it or not, you're going to suffer because there is a lot of bad things going on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's a lot of corruption there. You know, I had two, diff I, I, I lived through two different wars growing up and, um, wow. and there is, um, there is something that's built into your DNA as a Lebanese that suffering is, it's just a normal part of life. Yeah. Um, and I, I think all of us need to learn that, but especially yeah. now in the season, um, People are really finding it hard because they're suffering. I mean, staying at home or uh, yeah. having pain or the idea of people dying or, I mean, uh, it sucks, but suffering is going to be part of life all the time. No one can avoid suffering. And I think um, 
expecting an easy life where everything's accessible or having experienced life like that mm-hmm. makes suffering a lot harder. Yeah. Um, and I think learning how to suffer well and how to embrace suffering is, great. Is, is a very good thing. Yeah, I think especially when your whole life is devoted to the avoidance of suffering, it just makes suffering a lot harder <laughs> because yeah. then you when get to the point where you suffer and you're terrified of it. But yeah. I think when you stop fearing suffering, you need a good reason to stop fearing suffering, I think. But once you actually find that, yeah. I think suffering is a lot less painful in some ways than you than you think it is going to be. Yeah. Or at least I experience yeah. it very differently. Yeah. 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 I mean, a good reason for, you know, you said you have to find a good reason. I think, I think suffering is, uh, of course, is, is bad and, you know, or not desire it or, or yeah. seek it. Choose no, it out. Choose no. it out. Uh, but, but in the Lord, uh, our suffering uh, uh, can be transformative. And, you know, the, the Lord, the Lord Jesus suffered. Um, so, to teach us how to suffer so we can suffer with him and so we can suffer like him. We yeah, don't, amen. you know, we don't suffer uh, the same way anymore because, yeah. because of our Lord. So suffering can actually produce holiness in us and, and, and draw us closer to God. And so, and that's, that's not a good thing. That's the good thing. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, yeah. And then as the apostle Paul says, eventually hope springs forth from suffering. Yeah. But actually, yeah. we don't have hope unless we have suffering. And I think yeah. that's one of the most challenging truths that we have presented to us in the in the scriptures. Yeah. Well, thanks for your thoughts, Tony. Thank you for your call. Yeah, ma'am. Peace, bro. Talk to you soon. I record you more than you know. <laughs> for some reason, that doesn't, that, that doesn't seem as scary as I thought it should be. This, this is another one of our housemates, Josue Quinones, who in the quest to get all of our housemates on the podcast to said yes to coming on. Josue grew up in Puerto Rico and then moved here a number of years ago, and we have the privilege of having him in our house. When I moved here, when I went to high school, that's when everything started like hitting me slowly. Like once you started school? Once I started school, actually. Uh-huh. So I was here for probably a couple of weeks just hanging out in the house. Yeah. At least we were all... Wow. What? Tell me about your high school experience. That's why. <laughs> well, so I moved here in a very weird time. So I was uh, going into my senior year. So the number of people that actually like switch schools in their senior year is very low. So um, it was That's also true. an inner city school. So it was a great mix. Um, and something that I noticed yeah. when I moved here, it was like the difference, the racial difference. Because uh, in Puerto Rico, at least there's no such thing as color racism. Okay. There's class, maybe class racism. Like you would probably judge someone if you're going to judge someone, I guess, hmm. by their class. Like if they live in like a poor part of the country or, or a part yeah, of... Yeah, have a, have a kind of occupation or something like that. Exactly. A amount of money. Yeah. Versus here, it's it's actually became very apparent that the school I was in, it was like a public school that was, it was mostly like black people. And it was very surprising to me. Like, no, this is where I grew up with uh, having... Black people in the school was like, oh, this is normal. But here, like, when we were talk to, like, people from Michigan, they'd be like, oh, wow, you go to an inner city school. Well, how is that? And I'd be like, it just sounds huh. normal. And I didn't even know, like, the term inner city meant that it was going to be mostly black. But this, it's very 
interesting to see how in my high school, like at least we were all like in the same class too. So it was, we we're all in the same like middle, low class. Hmm. So that was one of the things that I noticed when I moved here. I guess the other thing was the, um, the different education levels. Even in my class, I saw some people who were really struggling, seniors who were actually like struggling to actually read yeah. out loud in class. And that was something that was so new to me because growing up, at least I never, none of I went to two high schools before I went to the one here in the United States and none of them I saw people actually struggle to read. Wow. And I was like, wow, this is very different. And I was very shocked by that. I just don't know if this is like, something that they were brought up with they didn't have the resources to learn but to be 12 years in school and not learn how to read it really shocked me so i saw that in the wow interesting school personally what did you experience is like some of the the challenges of like relating to people or maybe building relationships or kind of engaging the culture here in the united states i just i really remember my first week in high school i would just tell people i just moved here from puerto rico and they'd be like whoa They'd be like surprised. Really? And they would like actually try to like reach out to me and try to talk to me and like actually have patience nice. with me. And I really appreciated that. But it seemed like a very weird concept because for me, it was, it didn't seem like that big of a deal. I didn't know how people saw me. So I really appreciated just people. Uh, just, I would like actually be the one that steps out and then start talking to people. But then they would ask me like, where are you from? Like, you sound different. (laughs) (laughs) When I asked him, well, well, I'm from Puerto Rico. I just moved here like a couple months ago, maybe a couple of weeks ago. And we're like, whoa, this is so cool. Like Mm. we got our own little Puerto Rican. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) that's sweet. (laughs) Yeah. And it wasn't in a disparaging way or something like that, or like where they're trying to put you down, but they really admired and like kind of valued that part of, Part of who you are. The American dream. Yeah. (laughs) What's maybe something that you kind of miss about Puerto Rican culture that you feel like is hard to hold on to living here? The food. Yeah. The food is very different here. A lot more cheeseburgers than I grew up with. Um, In my family, we ate a lot of like rice and beans growing up and chicken. So Mm -hmm. it was almost like a staple, like every, at least couple of times a week we would have rice and beans and then some chicken maybe some um, plantains and it took some adjusting to go to actually to go to high school eat the food there and then have them serve me some beans or some pasta pasta that i wasn't like used to eating that much all of a sudden um and sloppy joe's mm. let's be real i just don't sloppy I, joe's is an american thing yeah or oh, it's not i don't know but it's they served it too many times in my high school okay and the no first more. time I saw it, I was like, I don't think I want to eat this. <laughs> yeah. What is, what are sloppy joes technically? It's like a kind of chili beef. Yeah. It's ground it's beef. beef with some like chili sauce on it. I don't yeah. know. It just seems lazy to me. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it and I was like, yeah, whoever did this. They're, they're not they're trying not, very hard. No, you put it on a bun. They're getting paid to cook and they choose to just go lazy. <laughs> I was that. like, no. Uh-uh. <laughs> At least... <laughs> at least a rice cooker. I can yeah. feel like, okay, at least put some rice on the side. It was just buns and then crab that they call sloppy joe. Yeah. So I was very distraught wow. by that. I want to apologize to everyone out there who likes sloppy joe and is forced to hear this. What's the official animal of Puerto Rico? Cookie. It's a frog. It's a tiny frog. Wow. It makes a beautiful sound. Can you make it for us? Probably not. Can you try anyway? It's like a whistle. I can't whistle. Oh, really? I could probably. It's a whistle. And then someone can. How do you say it? Cookie. 
<laughs> no, Koki. 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 Takes the the higher thing right there. <laughs> it's <laughs> wow. It's like the I don't know how to like say it. It's the it's just the high pitch the, the high pitch frequency tone that they do. Yeah. Okay. So it's actually that's how the male frog cookie little tiny frog calls the his mates female yeah yeah, yeah. that's beautiful when he's rolling up with the homies <laughs> i think he rolls up with the homies it's mostly a solo job he, i think he could try wow he wouldn't be to his advantage there you go what about puerto rican culture do you want to like hold on to that you want to like oh. carry with you you know when you come into a household and people experience you like what what about like you being puerto rican do you value i there's a couple of things i really like our hospitality i think as a people we're very um hospitable people yeah it's very welcoming and that's something that i saw even in the turkish people when i moved here they were very quick to invite us into their house whereas any other the even my american friends or that i made when i was in college it kind of took some kind of took some uh, working to, I had to invite them a couple of times to my house and do they like, were able to like extend the same invitation, which I think might be more of a Latino thing. Mm. But it, in my, in my country, it was very much very intentional that you would invite people to your house, like um, as much as possible, even though they lived probably half hour away, you'd be like, Hey, no, just come to my house and just, just hang out. Let's play some basketball. Mm. And it took some like getting used to people, not inviting me to their house. And me always being the one that invites people to my house um mm. that was a change for me when i even when i went to college so i still lived at home with my parents yeah um that's true americans it takes a while to get into someone's house i think yeah sometimes yeah. it's a level up first you gotta like you gotta get into the car first even <laughs> uh, them offering you a ride the is car actually, is big yeah. yeah that's right i had a lot of people i would offer rides to people because i was yeah commuter student to like their own cars sometimes say, hey, just, I parked next, like right next to our class. You have to walk 10 minutes. Let me give you a ride and be like, no, I'm fine. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to kill you. I swear. Like yeah. I'm a good person. Man. The first thought is always murder. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been very blessed to get to experience the Puerto Rican hospitality in your family. Yeah. I'm really glad that we've been able to get over to your household many times for yeah. delicious food and great company. So I count myself personally enriched to wow. have you in my life, bro. Oh, wow. wow. Stop it. You're going to make me cry. <laughs> cry. <laughs> Great. Well, thanks, man. Thanks for sharing. You want to take it? Do you want to take it? I think you should take it. Oh, uh, okay. That's it, folks. I uh, hope you guys liked our conversation uh, with all of our friends. There wasn't even half of them. Surprise, surprise. Half of our friends. <laughs> we have... Five. We have ten friends ten in total. Fr- sorry, ten <laughs> friends. We uh, didn't even interview half of them. So last uh, episode, we announced that we're looking for your parodies. We featured a parody from some of our friends here in Ann Arbor. If you've got any ideas, you can email us at qcopodcast at gmail.com. Also, if you want to sing us your idea, you can leave us a voicemail. Uh, we're kicking yeah. it like it's 1994, and we've got a QCO podcast phone number that you can call That's into. Right. You can also fax us. That's right. <laughs> so it's 248-792-8169. 
Come call us, leave us a parody, uh, leave us your thoughts. If you got any other recommendations on zombie apocalypses or on uh, what it's like to live as an immigrant somewhere, we'd love to hear it. That's it for us. John hopefully will be with us at some point here mm. soon, uh, but we'll see. We've lost him. <laughs> he might be back. John, come home. John, don't <laughs> stay away too long. <laughs> Great. Take God care. bless you guys. Peace. If you want to be in my quarantine, you have got to stay at least six feet from me at all times away. I'll tell you what I want, what I really, really want. I'll tell you what I want, what I really, really want. I wanna, 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 wanna,